People have better emotional regulation in terms of the way they're going to react to things. They have greater creativity if they are meditators because you become the observer of your thoughts. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Do you tune in regularly to Superhumans at Work podcast to get your ideas on how to be a superhuman at work? I would love to hear from you what has been some of the most transformational ideas that you have heard on this show and possibly feature you in one of our stories. Be sure to reach out to me at jason at mindvalley.com and send me a quick email about your story of transformation so we can start a conversation and get you featured on Mindvalley. Now, let's get started with this episode. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jason Campbell, and we are getting started with our Superhumans at Work podcast with a guest who's going to talk about one of the fundamental pillars when it comes to being a high performer in the workplace. See, most of the content we've been speaking about has been around leadership, communication, specific tools that allows you to enhance certain aspects of how you get things done at work. But underlining all of this is some of your elements when it comes to well-being and more particularly your health. And so it's with my great pleasure that I bring Angela Foster, who's the founder and CEO of MyDNA Edge and the host of the High Performance Health Podcast. She speaks about all the things that you can do to keep yourself at a high performance from your mind, your body, lifestyle. We're talking about biohacking. We're talking about all the ways that you can optimize all the aspects of your body so you can be showing up at work with lots of energies ready to tackle the day without having any of the negative side effects from stress and burnout. And so she's been working with clients that are CEOs, entrepreneurs, executives, and athletes. In essence, people that are all in positions where their high performance is demanded, and she gives them the ways that they can optimize their health so that it supports them as opposed to holding them back. We're going to look into ways that you can do the same. What are some of the tweaks you can do within your own lifestyle to make you be able to bring more energy every single day you walk into the office or you find yourself working from home? And so it's with my great pleasure, I bring Angela to the show. Angela, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Jason. It's great to be here today. I always have a joy of interviewing a fellow podcaster that gets a chance to share their message as well, because I'd assume you're often the one interviewing other people. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, a lot of the time. (laughs) It's great to be here. Tell us a bit about your journey. So I know you started in the corporate world, I believe in law, and now you find yourself being one of the leading edge biohackers when it comes to health and high performance. So I'd love for you to walk us through that journey of transformation that brought you here. Yeah, sure. So as you say, I did start in the world of corporations and I was actually a corporate lawyer doing M&A and flotations, working really hard at one of the leading law firms in London, doing global deals. And Uh, law firms, they don't have the greatest respect for things like sleep. So we worked hard, we played hard, and we pushed often through the night and weekends. And I think when you're in your 20s, you can kind of get away with it. But as you start to get older, you throw other things into the mix, like young children, for example, things get a bit more hairy. And so I was pushing myself really, really hard. And then I had three children within the space of four years. And by this stage, my adrenals were pretty flat and I was pretty burnt out. And that unfortunately put me at risk of postnatal depression, which I never thought I would be somebody that would suffer with that. And I suffered pretty badly. After my third child, things got really bad and I was put on to bipolar medication 
and my immune system hit an all-time low. And that was when I then developed a cough that my children had. It was a flu going around. And for me, things took a, a turn for the worse. And I actually ended up being taken into hospital with double pneumonia, viral and bacterial on both lungs, fighting for my life. And that was a real transition point for me because I'd spent so much time really trying to quieten the thoughts in my head and gain control of my own mind that suddenly I was faced with losing my life, which was kind of where my mind had been taking me. And I realized that actually I found peace and stillness in that moment and that actually I was okay with myself. And when I came out and I made a full recovery with very little long-term damage to my lungs, which was amazing, I felt eternally grateful ever since that day. And that led me on a journey of self-discovery to really understand how could I how could I become really, really healthy, but more particularly, how could I combine high performance with optimized health? And how could you put those two things together? And that was really the beginning of the journey to find what I've created, what I call high performance health. And I realized as I went on this journey that actually optimized health is the very foundation of sustained high performance. And that without that, we are all susceptible to things like burnout. So that's really where the journey began. That's a beautiful journey to have. And I'm so happy that you've recovered and went deep into this topic so you can bring us up to speed. Because I think this might be a common mistake that people make. We feel like we're invincible, especially like you said, in our 20s. And so what would you say are some of the first things you've noticed that people tend to abuse? Are we talking about long work hours? You've mentioned sleep deprivation. What are the biggest things that people might not be aware of that they should immediately keep a measure on that could be indications that their health is not being prioritized for the results that they want to bring long-term in high performance? I think there are certain things that happen that we kind of begin to overlook. As you say, sleep is a biggie, a really big one. Most people will kind of sacrifice sleep and think, well, I, I can catch up later. But that opportunity may not always come, particularly if you're working from one deal to the next, crossing time zones. Most of what we do, if you think about it now, is on a global basis. And so people are working really long hours. They're also getting input from so many different resources. You know, it's not just email, it's social media, it's Voxer, it's WhatsApp. There's so many inputs that are coming in. We're not designed to necessarily, we haven't evolved to cope with this large volume of stimulus. So taking some time out from that is really important. I think people underestimate recovery as one of the key pillars that I talk about when I'm working with high performers is recovery is so important. If you look at athletes, they know this and they prioritize that. And I think that we need to think of ourselves almost as the corporate athlete or the leadership athlete. How would I treat myself if I was the best in the world at what I did? How would I fuel my body? How would I recover? How would I optimize my sleep? And actually people start to see huge benefits back in terms of not just productivity, but also creativity is where it really starts to come in and what they can bring to that organization or to their own business and give back to the world. So prioritizing things like sleep are absolutely fundamental, but also looking at your nutrition. You know, there are some clues that come along the way. So if you're somebody, for example, that every time after lunch, you notice this big drop in energy, you may not be managing your blood sugar particularly well. And that was something that had showed up for me. You know, by my late 20s, I had PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is linked in some ways to blood sugar management. And I was put on metformin to control blood sugar. But in actual fact, that was putting me at risk of diabetes later in life. And once I learned how to control my blood sugar, that has given me, that's unlocked this all day energy. So what you're eating has a massive impact in terms of your brain performance and your body and your physique. 
and everything else. So that's something that I would say to look at. How are you fueling your body is really, really important. I love that. So we're talking here about making sure that recovery is prioritized and your nutrition prioritized. And I wanted to ask you a question I've always had, Angela, which is I like this idea of being like a corporate athlete or an entrepreneurial athlete, regardless of the environment that our listeners are are in. And, you know, when I think about an athlete, I think about all the ways that they're training, recovering, and they're all striving towards that one event, such as like the Olympics, right? But sometimes I feel even myself that I get carried into the work environment where I feel like every day is my gold medal race at the Olympics. And it feels like I can never stop to recover because I'm treating every day like it's race day. Is this a mental thing to overcome? Is this a typical trap? And how do you overcome that? The thing is, when you feel like that, that's often because you're doing what you love. There's not a downside to doing what you love, okay? So if you're going every day is like race day, you want to give your all every single day. But I think what's important is that to give your all, you need to recognize that recovery is so important. So you can't pour from an empty cup. So to fill your cup, what is it that really energizes you. It's got to produce energy within you. So often people will think, well, okay, I'll take some time out, but I'll be checking social media or just maybe do that extra bit of reading that I hadn't done. As long as that reading is something that's invigorating you or that exercise that you're going to do, but it needs to be something that really, really energizes you. You know, watching the news or checking social media is not energizing. And I think that's often the mistake people make. So going out for a walk in nature is a great way and getting access to sunlight because it's not just the way that we fuel our body in terms of nutrition that's important. It's about the way that we're breathing, making sure we're getting enough oxygen. It's about getting access to that light and the hydration as well. There's kind of four ways that we fuel. And then there's the fifth way, which is also our thoughts and controlling that thinking. So that's super important as well. But I think coming back to what you're saying, when you're doing what you love, it's easy to keep going. But if you do treat every day as a race day, then you do risk that burnout. And it's really interesting because what I've been doing recently is tracking my blood sugar. And so I've been wearing a continuous blood glucose monitor and having a look at the stats and what affects it. And so often we just associate the food that we're eating that might cause dysregulation in blood sugar. But what I've found actually, and this matches up with the literature, is that actually stress can cause spikes in blood sugar. So what you can see is that if cortisol is high, and that's for an ancestral reason, if you think about it, if you were running from the saber-toothed tiger, then you would need that blood sugar delivered to your muscles to energize and power you to fight or to flee. So what happens is, is when cortisol raises, that dumps sugar into the blood and that in turn raises insulin. And we know that blood sugar dysregulation is one of the key things alongside inflammation that's linked to a lot of the chronic diseases that we're seeing. And what's really interesting is that when I practice, engage in practices like gratitude, my blood sugar comes down. So even after a meal in the evening, I noticed that when I went to put my children to bed the other night and we did our evening gratitude where we talk about the things they're grateful for and I tell them how much I love them, my blood sugar will go down and I would see that closely correlated. And it's amazing. So these things are really having a profound effect on the body and on our health and then in turn on our performance. It's incredible how everything's connected and the fact that you're tracking it, it's a wonderful thing. I think we don't necessarily all have awareness of what's happening in our bodies with these small actions that we think are small but actually make all the difference. And thank you so much for answering that question because you're right. When I'm in those times that I'm in flow and things don't stop and it keeps happening and I work long hours, but 
it actually feels really good. I realize that the things that I do during the times that I call quote unquote break, which are actually more distractions are not energizing at all, but exercising, like going to the gym that I'll get something done like that will bring me more energy. And this is really what I love. I'd be curious to know from your perspective, you're obviously working with a lot of people that are in high performance situations and you've already given us a lot of things that we can apply when it comes to being more conscious of our recovery, more conscious of our nutrition as well. I'd be curious to see these executives that work with you that are needing these sustained levels of high performance, what are ways that they're approaching work that could be slightly different or approaching their health that's different than most people that might not even have a level of awareness of how this actually impacts their performance? What I've noticed is, and what I encourage them to do is they do work differently. And what they do is that they prioritize deep work. So deep work is so important and you can only do that in shorter bouts. So there's a misconception and certainly culturally in a lot of organizations, there's a culture of staying at work. So, I mean, we used to do a thing in, when I was in corporate law where if you went out, you'd leave your jacket on the chair because actually it mattered how many hours you were in the office. And I would say that high performers can actually see the difference. It's the quality of work. So engaging in deep work in 90-minute blocks even taking time within those 90-minute blocks to do things like 10 burpees to increase blood flow and oxygen and kind of just take that short micro break improves and enhances their performance. And then they will take time out for deep recovery, not just in terms of holidays and vacations and things like that, but also those micro breaks that recharge their batteries. And that allows them to think more creatively. The other thing that I do is look very closely with them in terms of their morning routine and their evening routine, because your night's sleep starts with the morning before. So it begins in terms of that circadian alignment and rhythm. What you do in the morning makes a massive difference to the quality of sleep that you're going to have that following evening. And then that evening routine makes a big difference to your morning. So we look very closely at morning and evening routines as part of what we do. It's so amazing the types of ideas that you can start implementing to your health that, again, you're talking about little adjustments. And I'd love to dig deeper into this morning and evening things. Maybe there's a thing that we could be able to apply as we're listening to this. What is one of the great things I could do in the morning that would get me better energized for the day and be able to get into that deep sleep at night? So one of the best things that you can do, I'd say two top things. So the first one would be to meditate first thing in the morning. Now, I've been playing around with this quite a bit recently. Obviously, we're filming this in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. So everybody has higher levels of anxiety than they had before. You know, there's so many things. If I look at myself, for example, you know, I'm now homeschooling three children alongside running my business. Who would have thought that was going to be the case a month or so ago? So one thing I've been playing with is the timing of meditation. So I've always meditated first thing. This helps you take control of your day and it helps you to manage. People have better emotional regulation in terms of the way they're going to react to things. They have greater creativity if they are meditators because you become the observer of your thoughts. But what you can play around with is actually how soon do you meditate after bed? So sometimes, for example, I may meditate before I even get out of bed. My favorite way is actually to use the bathroom and then I go downstairs and I meditate in front of my red light. And that just feels amazing. It's great for charging your mitochondria, which are the little powerhouses of our cells. The light is so warming and inspirational. I love Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. I also love Vishen Lakiani's six-phase meditation. So I'll alternate between those. But that's one of the first things that I do and I encourage my clients to do because then you are 
in control of your day and visualizing how your day is going to go ahead of it actually taking place is really, really powerful. The second thing is to get outside if you can. That really helps to regulate the circadian rhythm. So when you get outside, that helps to store up melatonin ready for later that night that you're going to use to enhance that deep sleep. But it also starts the cortisol rhythm going, so it makes you more alert, more aware to begin your day. So even if that's just for a very short period, getting outside is a really powerful thing to do too. You know, it's funny because uh, I'm actually here in Bali during this COVID crisis. And one thing that anybody who's been to Bali would recognize is there's a lot of dogs on the street. And the fun thing that I've decided to do is actually start nurturing one of these dogs. Her name is Mango, and she starts hanging out with us. And this habit that I've started implementing in my mornings is I actually get up, I do my meditation, and then I actually go and meet Mango, who's very excited to see me, and just take her for a walk outside. And I find that little moment that I get to go outside and take the dog out for a walk is just such a calming moment that I'm present, I'm playful, I'm in the sun. And then after that's done, I get started with the rest of my daily routine. But you're right, just going outside a little bit just makes it so much of a calming start that gets me energized for the rest of the day. So I'm glad these are things that are recognized within the biohacking space. I wanted to talk a bit more about the nutrition part. I know this is one of the big things that people might not be as aware of. And I know you speak a lot about things that might be relating to poor gut health. You talk about irritable bowel syndrome. And a lot of people I find that are in these high stress corporate environments, there seems to be a correlation to like the nutrition you have. You just can't go and access high quality foods. You might find yourself eating more fast food. What's going on there? What's the result that happens if I'm not taking care of my nutrition and what's going to happen when I do make better decisions there? I think a lot of people actually ignore these little signs that you describe for a long time because they kind of become the new normal. So initially you experience a bit of bloating, then maybe you notice a change to your toilet habits. And these are signs that your gut health isn't in order. So actually prioritizing things like fermented foods, you know, the science on probiotics varies, but incorporating fermented foods into your diet, things like kombucha, kefir, really, really super important for optimizing the health of your gut. Making sure that, again, we come back to sleep, but sleep's really important. And during the night, assuming you're getting to bed early enough, then you're going to get a good dose of human growth hormone. And that's actually really important for helping to renew the gut tissue, so the gut lining, which we know is only one cell thick. So that's really important. And that ensures that you're not getting things like leaky gut, where these micro food particles can leak in and cause leak out, sorry, and cause food intolerances. Any kind of intolerances is going to drive inflammation in the body. So you want to minimize those and make sure that if you're having those problems, get them investigated with a nutritional therapist or a functional medicine practitioner to check the health of your gut. Most of our immune system is contained within the gut. So that's super important. And then in terms of things like fast food, what a lot of people don't realize is that these foods are high in sugar, but they're also high in processed vegetable oils. And these things are rancid, they're highly oxidized, and they're very damaging to our cells. So a lot of people don't realize that actually the fats that we eat are becoming directly incorporated into our body. They are forming our cell membranes. And we want these soft, fluffy cell membranes that allow chemical messengers in and out. We don't want rigid cell structures that can't communicate us as well and that put us at greater risk of things like atherosclerosis. So making sure that we include plenty of healthy fats within our diet, oily fish, I like to use the acronym SMASH because that helps you focus on the smaller fish, so things like sardines and mackerel, salmon, herrings, 
that basically have less pollutants in them, but they have high levels of omega-3, which lower inflammation in the body. And one of the things that I look at is I do a lot with DNA testing. And the reason for that is our genes are not our destiny, but they do identify our blueprint. So they can show us at a genetic level where we might need more support. So for example, some clients I see will have a raised need for omega-3. And that's because genetically they're more predisposed to higher levels of inflammation. Some of them, their antioxidant pathways need support as well. So they need to be including more of those rainbow color of foods in their diet and enhancing their inherent antioxidant production that their body has. We can also, as I've already mentioned, understand what their carbohydrate sensitivity is and their predisposition to high blood sugar, what their tolerance of things like saturated fats are. So, you know, a lot of people experiment with diets like the keto diet or the low-carb diet or carnivore. And actually, if you're somebody who processes saturated fats in certain ways, the keto diet may not be appropriate. So it's really the fastest route to understanding and very effectively and affordably personalizing your nutrition for you so that you can have that optimized health and performance. Where could be resources that somebody could go to find more about how do I detect my own personalized level of nutrition? You're speaking about DNA, but maybe that's not accessible for everybody. Are there some basic guidelines? Is there possibly surveys or ways I could get started to do just some micro adjustments? Yeah, I think initially the thing I would encourage people to do the most is actually to journal. That's a really powerful way of understanding how food is affecting you. So when you've eaten something, if you actually record how you feel 30 minutes after eating it and then two hours later... That will give you a big insight into how that food is affecting you. And then you can look back after seven days and begin to track patterns. And that actually really helps to institute behavior change as well. Because instead of you thinking, well, I mustn't have this food, it's really bad for me, but I'm not quite sure why, I've just read it somewhere. You're actually looking at it and understanding, wow, when I ate that for lunch, you know, when I went out and had that burger, I noticed that I was really tired and kind of foggy, I had brain fog all afternoon, I wasn't productive, I got bloating. Whereas when I had a salad with some olive oil and some salmon and some vegetables, I actually felt really super energized you're going to look for more of that. If we feel good, we're going to do more of that. So really understanding the own patterns, first of all, is one of the most powerful ways to understand your nutrition. That is beautiful. Angela, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing us so many quick advices that we can start becoming much more aware of our health when it comes to being a high performer in the workplace. And for everybody listening, we started by talking about what are the things that most people neglect that can really bring you to a state of burnout. And we talked about the recovery period, talking about how sleep is important. Prioritize the sleep because that's really what gets you to have your cells recharge, your batteries recharge, so you can go back next day and be a high performer again. I love the ideas we shared around what you can do in the morning that actually dictates how you go to bed the next day, starting immediately with a meditation. Here at Mindvalley, we are no strangers to meditation, so obviously big practice that you can do. And then going outside, getting a bit of sunlight, if you can, will actually help you wake up in the right way so you can get started. Then we talked a lot about this idea around nutrition. And again, we have this awareness. And I like this system that we discussed at the end, which is just journaling after eating. There's so many times I found myself eating something and then just passing out right after wondering, why did I get knocked out so quick? And I know for myself, it's often been after eating a wrap because the carbs that came with that wrap just knocks me out cold. And so 
get that journal habit going. If you're trying to assess where you lie with certain foods, what sensitivity, building that awareness after eating it can make you make those changes to your behavior where you can start eating the things that you know bring you joy and energy as opposed to the immediate gratification you get from the moment you put it into your mouth, which is the only thing we find ourselves be aware of. Of course, managing our stress, coming with the meditation, understanding that maybe you're showing up at work and it's a lot of work every day, but if you really enjoy it, it's not going to be as taxing to your energy. So find yourself doing the work that you know makes an impact, knowing that it charges you up, but understand that the recovery is important, that you want to have the right nutrition, and always keep a lens on your health because it is your first wealth. And if you don't want to just go and do a sprint where you burn out after, you'll realize that those are not going to bring you to long-term gains. Being balanced, being aware, and continuing to apply more and more tactics to get your body to be taken care of as you're taking care of bigger business opportunities, taking care of teams, or taking care of yourself to make an impact, you need to make sure you're taking care of your asset first. If you like these ideas, definitely go check out High Performance Health Podcast. You're going to get tons more ideas on how to implement these so you can always show up at your peak performance every single time you're going into the workplace. Look into the work from Angela Foster as she's bringing us a wealth of knowledge for everybody to take advantage of on this episode. I know I've learned a ton. I know everybody else has. So Angela, thank you so much to come and share this with everyone. And everybody here, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for having me on and thanks for listening. It's been great to be here today. My name is Jason Campbell and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.